Yeah, they're good. I like hummus. Man, right? Hummus. Like, I really enjoy hummus. I enjoy some of, the, like, the the spices and stuff in hummus. And so that's why when I saw these dried salted chickpeas, I thought, oh, it'd be good. naturally, they'll taste like little crunchy balls of hummus. Yeah, oh, no, they suck. Also, now I, now I am recording, so cut that typing cool. crap out. Cut that what? Typing out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I gotta do some research. Derek, don't tell people that we research as we start these episodes. Wow, oh, okay. Not a ton of research, just looking, making sure I got my info here. Um, this episode is dropping just before or day of Black Friday. So it's either American Thanksgiving or Black Friday. Are you doing any Black Friday shopping this year, Maddie? You know, I had the intention to, but at the same time, it's like, what do I really need? You know, I think I just want to buy stuff for the sake of buying stuff. Plus, a lot of the stuff that I buy regularly, which is like products made by like Nike, typically don't go on Black Friday sales anyways. Now listen to this uppity. So, oh, the stuff I like, it doesn't go on sale. Uh, well, the stuff I like isn't really that like glamorous by any means. Jeez. But I can't really think of anything Black Friday-ish that I really need or want. So, for that reason, I really don't care about Black Friday too terribly much. Well, you know, it's probably for the best. It's going to be a zoo. Um, I may have told listeners this previously, but Brittany and I plan our phone upgrade schedules with Black Friday. A friend told us about this, and it's the best time to get a new phone in Canada throughout the year. Probably in the States, too, but um, best deals. But you gotta, you gotta, you know, put up with the the crowds and wait in line probably and stuff. But you'll get the best rate plans and deals on a new phone. So that's what I'm doing on Friday. Really? Yep. Well, I would have had no idea. I'm gonna have to remember this for next year when my phone. Yeah. Up. I was at the phone place today actually, and I was talking to the guy, and he was like, "Oh yeah, absolutely, best plans." And I was like, "So, what do you think?" And he's like, "Honestly, they don't tell us anything here at the retail store. We just get them handed down to us <laughs> <laughs> Friday morning." <laughs> awesome. So basically, he's like, "Wow, well, don't sign up for anything now." <laughs> and then as soon as I was done talking to him, some Hutterites were across the way. They're like, "I, I just it was eavesdropping. They're like, yeah, we need a new iPhone 8." And I was wondering if he was going to be honest with them or just take the sale. <laughs> Because <laughs> the Hutterites might not be super, not even. I don't know if they were Hutterites or Mennonites, but you could tell they weren't like super on the up and up with the current trends of the day. You know what <laughs> I mean? Their fashion, their fashion, a little outdated by chance. Exactly, exactly. It was just kind of like, is he going to take the easy sale or tell him to wait till Friday? <laughs> Dude, shout out to Hutterites. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I also don't. I'm not a big shopper, Derek. If I need something, I'll go buy it. But aside from that, I don't go crazy for sales. I don't wait in lines for a sale. Yeah, um, I'm with you. If there happens to be something, like, I think the only thing that I really bought that was, like, on sale, this was back in 2013. You're going to tell me the last time you bought something on sale was five years ago? No, no, no. The last time <laughs> I can say that I bought something on sale with, like, purpose and intention to go on sale was five years ago when I went on Boxing Day. I had worked a night shift um, into the morning of Boxing Day. And I'm a bit of an impulse shopper and I just decided, you know what, screw it, I'm going to buy a TV. 
And so I impulsively went and bought a brand new television for $800. Also a good time to get consumer electronics. So that's yeah. not a bad plan. Yep. I, I bought it. It was like 50% off. I was pretty pumped. Yep. And still have that TV to this day, folks. It's a good story. I know. I mean, it's Happy ending. I like it. It's kind of funny because <laughs> I did end up talking to the sales rep about it. And, you know, he was kind of giving me the insight that it was only the television itself that they had, like, marked down so much. And so he said the the way to reel people in is you get them to buy the TV, but then you sell them on a sound system at the time a Blu-ray player. Um, you know, 3D glasses and, like, all these different things so that their bill is all of a sudden, like, over two grand when all they wanted at first was a TV. Right, right. So I well, like, I, mean, I if... mean, that's what you got to do. I suppose, I mean, if it was me, though, and I was going in for that TV and I needed all that other stuff, I would be like, yeah, why not? I got a good deal on the TV and I needed this other stuff anyway, so. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. You just reel in the suckers. But me, I'm the shark. can't reel me in. Well, I mean, and the thing is, um, I always thought, thought too, I like consumer electronics. When I was younger, especially now, I wouldn't even bother. But I was like, you know what? It would be sweet to work part-time at, like, Best Buy or Visions or some consumer electronics place where it was commission. I know they probably, I don't know, you have to deal with the fact that I don't know how they do it because, obviously, um, the sales are bigger in the winter regardless of how good you are at selling anything. <laughs> yeah, just you just want season. shifts at that point. Exactly. And so, but at the same time, I was like, I think I could be really, really good at this. I think I can make a really good commission, quit on the 27th of December after another great sale day, <laughs> Boxing Day, and then peace out and laugh all the way to the bank. But never actually did it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how good it would be. And I don't know what kind of like, uh, what kind of deals they can hook customers up with or anything like that. But I mean, got to think consumer electronics as technology like that market just keeps growing is like i feel like it just becomes more and more like people just have more electronics in their house in every way shape and form yeah and it's like becoming more and more integrated especially with like smartphones and the technology in there like even having your microwave your stove your fridge all that kind of crap can be connected to your phone now just seems absurd no, I'm with you. And I mean, I think the thing is to, um, you know, more and more people aren't going to retail stores. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you come to these big sale days, you've got the foot traffic. If you can just be, you know, people don't always understand how everything works, how it works together, because everything seems to talk to each other now. You can just have a certain level of knowledge and make people like, this is how this works. This is how this is going to work with your own setup. Give them a little bit of advice. Like on a, when it's not that busy, you give, you do all this great stuff. You give all this great service, and they're gonna be like, "Great!" Well, it's fifty bucks cheaper on Amazon, and I've already got it ordered, and it'll ship to my house in two days. So thanks, anyways. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I would do that. I don't even blame them. I would. I've I've done that. <laughs> Not even like yeah, I've done that. But it's just I don't know. I feel bad, but I still do it. So <laughs> the I mean the other part with that too though is like. You got to think from the consumer's perspective, it's no different than the business's perspective, right? Businesses purchase their products from companies that are uh, giving them like the best rates. Right. Just like, you know, customers are going to do the exact same thing. So if a store like Best Buy can't keep up with what Amazon's offering, 
you're naturally going to go to the one that you're going to save the most money at. Yeah. It's kind of why I think Amazon is the like a real life villain they in are. in consumerism in right now, man. And like Jeff Bezos, you know, I saw all these photos lately of like what Jeff Bezos looked like in 1998. Total nerd, by the way. Well, yeah. Now, money though. Now Bezos has like the nice, like, well-shaven head, not unlike your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. With like, they had this. And he can afford him, like, to not have a shaved head. Well, they had like a photo <laughs> of him in like that with like this. Uh, I don't know if it was like a dress shirt, but it had like this big black puffy vest over top. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. And he had like aviators on. I was like, he looks like a movie villain. Yeah. And yet yeah. he's kind of just like slowly taking over the world of consumerism i know and it's i don't know if i want to say it's quiet but yeah he is i mean i um i heard the other day too with <laughs> it was on um hassan minhaj's netflix special actually you should watch it yep. if you get a chance oh his new tv show or his yeah 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 his weekly not his stand-up it's good um, but he said Netflix, Amazon's taken over the world. In New York, actually, they have um, you get Prime or something above Prime, where it's like two-hour delivery or something outrageous Whoa. like that. He says it's just it's too easy for him to be woke about. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too, but, if people don't know, is like Amazon's setting up new headquarters out in New York City too. That's true, New York and DC. Um, but no, what what Hassan was saying, he had an interview with this guy. This is a paintball shop out of somewhere, right? And he said they're a retailer. And he's like, you know, it's tough. Here's the situation we're in. We need to be online. Amazon, for example, is great so we can sell our product, right? But then what happens is Amazon says, yeah, absolutely. List with us online. They see how the product sells. They find their best sellers. They see how, you know, they learn all the metrics about the product. And then they go directly to the wholesalers and sell it for a little bit cheaper than this retailer would. <laughs> oh my God. And so they're like, so I have to be real. online and Amazon's the best place to be online. But then if I do that, they're going to take all that information from selling my stuff and go right to my wholesalers and sell it for cheaper. <laughs> that's gross. That's, I know. It's so that's mean. That's gross to hear. It's so mean. And so oh I don't know. I, what can you do? And then at the same time, it's like, I say that, I, this is my big thing. I feel like people, you know, it's easy. And even it's a lot of progressive TV shows. It's easy to be like, that's so wrong, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, are you going to pay 20 bucks more for this thing? Well, no, I'm going to get it the cheapest place I can get it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's exactly it. That is, that's literally it. You're, we have this innate, like, tendency within us to want to save our money in any way possible. It's true. It's and, true. And I mean, there's certain things where we're willing to, you know, if it's if there's some value added at the end, but if it's just like, you know, like a paintball gun, paintball, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's just like, good, we're not going to pay... electronics is a great example. Like, these are yeah, just exactly. companies, That's I mean, a good example. you can purchase uh, a laptop or um, a TV or whatever right from the right from the company itself if you really want i think yeah let's get rid of that middleman save some more money i I honestly think you know it's tough because i get what people are doing let's not support the walmarts and the amazons let's support the local shops but i think you're right and a good example is consumer electronics what is the point of supporting your local you know stereo shop (laughs) yeah you know and their markups for the advice, when when I think what's actually going to happen, some people do, and that's good, but what's actually going to happen is that retail locations will have to find other ways to add value because that markup doesn't make sense for anyone to pay when they're getting the same product. You know, you have to either just sell the service end, like, okay, we'll install it, we'll teach you how to use it, we'll do all this stuff, or you just, um, 
you have to add value in some other way. Like it's, it can't just be, uh, no one's going to be willing to pay the retail markup <laughs> just to have the convenience of going into a location, right? Well, that's exactly it. And I think yeah. people have to understand with the, like, with what Amazon offers in terms of like delivery speed and stuff like that, it makes it less and less uh, necessary to have it, you know, in the immediate now. You know, if right. it's one thing, if it took Amazon like two weeks to get me a product, it's another thing when I get it 48 hours later and it's like, am I going to save the say $20, $30, $50, $100 to wait 48 hours? Yeah, absolutely. I will. I, I don't need something that badly unless it's an emergency, which mm -hmm. I then mm -hmm. have to rush to a retailer to purchase it from. Uh, I'm willing to probably wait the the two days that it takes for Amazon prime to deliver my, my goods. It's so easy. And I mean, now they've got them linked up to all the home, you know, the Google home, the Alexa echo or whatever. And yeah. it's like Amazon or Google order me this thing. And they just two days later, it shows up at your house. Boom, it's just, it's, there. it's just wild, but yeah, you know, and, and you know, that means that, I mean, I think you have to view it if we're being optimistic pessimistically some good retail businesses are going to suffer optimistically people will have to be creative and we'll have some really interesting ways where people add value in areas where it's i mean consumer electronics are kind of like a commodity the cheapest price you can get on an iphone is the cheapest price you pay you know there's no value in spending more somewhere else and, and that's so the thing. that's going to be the cool thing is communities will have maybe more interesting retail spaces as opposed to just reselling something that you can get on Amazon, you know, so. And I and, think the other part too with that though, is like, I mean, it's easy to pick on consumer electronics typically because they're typically more on the more expensive it's a good side example. of things. And a lot of the times you're simply just a certified reseller, which for those of you that don't know, it means that they typically don't have a lot of markup on the product and they kind of bank on you purchasing accessories with that product in order to make their profits. Uh, so when you buy like an iPhone or an iPad from a Best Buy, you can buy that iPhone or iPad for the exact same amount from Apple. They're they're making literally probably zero dollars on that. But they're hoping you're going to buy the case, you're going to buy the chargers, you're going to buy whatever else that goes with it. Uh, you know, maybe a Bluetooth speaker, um, whatever it might be, so that you walk out with more than just that iPhone or iPad. Yeah, well, I think, you know, iPhone, all Apple stuff, they make a good margin at sale regardless. And they don't let retailers change the price. But certainly, yeah, lost leaders, that, that is kind of what they do. They try to get or not get you on the accessories, right? So Yeah, and I mean, so that's that's consumer electronics. But, I mean, there are, I think that's where I've appreciated, I mean, it's not really local um, retailers, but it's one area where I've appreciated uh, platforms like Etsy. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. You know, yeah. that's one where you're getting handcrafted uh, products or maybe not even handcrafted. They might be created by like some sort of, you know, factory press or whatever. But it is kind of local. It's local, but it's not local. It's like local global in a really weird way because you're purchasing it from someone who that's most likely probably a huge portion of their, you know, employment income or business income. Um and you're just kind of just buying it right there and it might take a while to get shipped or whatever but you can purchase from around the world on there it's kind of neat and you're also yeah, kind of kinda cool. you're kind of how do i want to put it like 
detouring away from just going to the big box store where you can probably buy a lot of the same, like similar products, but not quite. And you're right, what you were saying before about adding that like extra value. They're they're going to be unique products so that they do have that extra value. Right, and that's what you know the future of retail will likely be. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't know. It'll be interesting to see even Amazon's moving back into retail, but. I think that segues nicely into our topic for today in that, you know what, people are going to have to be entrepreneurial and come up with more interesting ways or just interesting in general ways to, to handle retail. Yeah. You know, and, and, and what people are going to be willing to spend their money on at the retail level instead of using online sources, right? So, Absolutely. or big box sources even, like you're competing with the Walmarts of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we lead into this topic here, guys, um, you know, entrepreneurship, I think, is something that's becoming more and more uh, popular, especially amongst millennials. I think Who's that? What's that? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Who's that? I, I think it's, are we millennials? We are millennials. We totally are. Yeah. But uh, I, I think a huge part is behind the fact that we don't want to take orders we want to be our own boss and being an entrepreneur is a great way of trying to do that whether or not you're successful well that's another story and the chances are your parents folks, can bail you out if you're unsuccessful that's that's <laughs> part of being an entrepreneur that's a lifestyle right there <laughs> I, I think a huge part is is that you know when it comes to entrepreneurship you know for every success story you see there's at least five to ten that are failures. Oh, five to ten is probably low, man. And I, I know, I was just trying to make it sound nice, but it's probably more like a hundred. Yeah. You know, so yeah. everyone has their idea of what what they're gonna make their million dollars off of. It's true. And you've heard Derek and I, and I try and pitch our million dollar ideas, and it's well, we just never really. I don't know. We we've never gone anywhere with them. Your idea hasn't worked. Mine's working great. What idea is that, Tarek? I was just playing. I got, I got no idea. <laughs> Bro, I told you, I wanted to make a drinking board game and then found out that they already had one. Yeah, come on, man. Drinking board game? They've been making drinking board games since people have been drinking. Well, I mean, I get drinking games. I meant like an actual Monopoly-style game. Where if you something happens, you drink? No, it's, well, kind of, yeah, but not the same. Not the same as like... I don't know. Anyways, you got like the little pieces that go around the board. It's like, it's the only reason I say this is because I ended up buying it for a buddy for Christmas a couple years ago. Is that right? <laughs> and I, oh, there I, you go. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> we are talking entrepreneurship. We are talking about the this. probably most visible area of entrepreneurship right now is, is uh, these TV shows, Dragon's Den in Canada and the UK, Shark Tank in the States. Um, and I'm sure they're called other things in other countries, but uh, that, that's, that's what we hear. That's what we see here in North America. So yeah, it's really interesting. These shows, um, for those of you who haven't seen it, which, you know, you'd have to be living under a rock, but that's okay. What happens is an entrepreneur, um, comes up with their idea. And what they do is they go to a room full of potential investors. And I say full, it's just four or five investors who have been very successful in their respective fields and they present their idea and they seek investment from those people. And those people say it's a good idea, a dumb idea. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to see how these things go, you know? 
Yeah. Now, if you had an idea, if you had a company, if you had, you know, something that was, would you would you go to the Dragon's Den or Shark Tank and try to see if you can get a potential investor that way? Gosh, I don't know. Um, I would have to know that it's kind of on the verge of success. Yeah. And I would have to know that these people are really going to put me over the top of, like, seeing that success come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I would ever consider it. Right, right, right. Interesting. But for those of you that don't, well, yeah, um, you know, if if you've never seen the show or whatnot, you know, these people come in, they pitch their idea. There's a lot of conversation about the numbers and and the success they've had so far. And uh, my favorite are when these people come in real cocky, and then they'll be like, "So, do you have any like debt in the company?" And they'll say like. Oh yeah, you know we just got like a couple million in debt, and just everyone's like out immediately. I know. Like, no, the music, <laughs> the music like dies down, and everyone looks at each other, and it's just so dramatic. They oh. just get you, you know. And some of these guys are just so honest. I love Kevin O'Leary. Yeah, he's uh, the big one, Mister Wonderful. He's Canadian, but he's on the American Shark Tank. He started on the Canadian Dragons Den. Well, you know, and I appreciate some of the things he said i've overheard him say this and i've actually heard it in different iterations basically but he kind of talks about the greatest disservice you can do to someone is to encourage a bad idea or like to encourage mediocrity right right and i like that a lot because i think that is just so true of our society so often and especially in business you don't want to encourage someone to continue with something when there really isn't a future in it. Now, yeah. obviously, that's just his perspective. But I, I was going to say, maybe he could say that. I would feel uncomfortable trying to tell somebody else that. But he's obviously a lot but, more successful you know, than most people. He's a people. leading economist. Is he exactly. not an economist? Yeah. I don't think he's an economist. But yeah, he's certainly made some success for himself. That's He's speaking from a little bit more authority than most people. Absolutely. He he knows what it takes to succeed. And I, I just appreciate his perspective on things. Because, you know, when he really kind of immediately shut something down it's like yeah the chances are that's probably not gonna not gonna end up succeeding throughout this this pitch and stuff but yeah it's it's interesting i mean and they you know if you watch the show you kind of see some of the things they look for kevin o'leary is really bad for this he's always looking for income you know he's yeah, well, like he wants to make his money back he's an investor you know, yeah 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 but some investors will be like well, we'll give you the money for the stake in the company blah 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 we'll get whatever kevin you can every time it's him. a commission yeah yeah it's always like well i'll you know that's what you can negotiate on he'll take 20 percent. he'll take 50 percent, whatever but you can negotiate on the percentage but all he wants is like okay every unit you sell i'm getting three dollars or every um you know what i mean like that's his thing he wants the annuity he always wants it to be coming forever or for a, sig- a significant period of time which is something to you know, that's tough for the business, or it's good. I don't know. I mean, you need their money, so you have to sort of play by their terms. But it's interesting because, oh, here's a successful guy, and that's what's valuable to him, right? Regular income, a stream of regular income. He's not interested in, I don't know, you know, he's like, I'll give you half a million dollars, but I want regular income for it, okay. you know? And so maybe that's something that uh, as an investor you should think about, right? And these are things that we want you guys to understand as well, especially if you're not really savvy with the business world. Tarek just threw out the word annuity. Um, and so for those of you guys that don't understand what that means, it means that you're getting, um, and an annuity on a product is that you're getting kind of a slice of the pie every time that product is sold. And it is for typically kind of, a 
It's usually until you receive a certain amount of money back. Yeah, that's how you could structure it. And so um, then there's also what's called a perpetuity, which means which you get that same forever. piece of the pie forever. So there yeah. is a difference just in terms of how much you're actually getting back. And so yes. if you ever do watch these shows and they say the word perpetuity, it means for life. Till this company dies, he is going to get wants a, his a dollar piece of the, per item sold. And and yeah, I, I apologize for using jargon. You know, we get talking, we get carried away. Um, but yeah, to be clear, I guess it's you know we could be really really clear. If it's a you know a dollar per widget sold, it's a royalty. An annuity is just regular income. You know, if you get if you invest three hundred dollars in an annuity, three hundred thousand dollars in an annuity, and every month it pays you a thousand dollars, that's an annuity. You're a thousand dollars. If it goes forever, it's just a called a perpetuity because it just keeps going forever is all so they're really the same thing annuity and perpetuity just about time frame but yeah sorry i yeah, didn't mean to like undermine you it was more just to, no, i want no, people right, to be though. well educated you, you, you're that's, absolutely that's right we, we can't just about, use these right? words and and expect people to understand them it's just the way we we, we do it right so um no yeah but it, they're interesting shows um yeah i think uh what's interesting is, is some of the questions, you know, if we were to look back and say, hey, what's a good idea? What's a bad idea? Some of the questions these dragons ask, you know, the one thing is, is it proprietary? And what they mean by that is, is there anything unique about this that I can put a patent on? Is there any reason why, you know, I, I can't just do this myself without even involving you? Do you know what I mean? For example, I saw one episode where this girl, and, and they were pretty cool, but she made these um, uh, leg warmers or something like that out of you know, yoga clothing material or whatever. And she, uh, you know, she had sold a bunch of them. She was doing well at it. <laughs> and it was kind of like, it was tough because that's the big thing too, is how many sales you've actually had. Cause that's a real proof of concept, but it was like, Kevin said it. He's like, well, I mean, that's, that's cool. But as soon as you get big enough, Lululemon will just make that for $10 cheaper and sell it for $5 cheaper and you will be out of business. That's exactly it. That's <laughs> exactly there's nothing, it. There's nothing there that you can, you know, there's nothing there that you can patent and say is yours. It'll just be people will buy whichever one they want, right? So, <laughs> and, and that hits exactly as to what we were talking about earlier with the paintball example of, you know, this is a real thing in, in a lot of business is if there's no real um, kind of patented technology within your design, you have to be really careful and make sure that you can almost capitalize on the entire market uh, quickly before, before anyone kind of sniffs it out because, or that you have some sort of process, even if it's not patented, that is almost impossible to duplicate because yeah. the, the reality is, is that this is how corporations work. Corporations are in the business of making money. They don't care about your feelings. They don't care about, you know, whether or not there's a roof over your family's head. Like they, they simply don't care. It's not yep. their job to care. And it sounds gross and it sounds mean, but it's reality of, of the world of business. It's it's not a place for where feelings uh, are welcome. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and no, so, I mean, if they can do it better for cheaper, they will. And that's a that's a great example of exactly what happens so often is, you know, larger corporations come in and go, oh, that's cute. Let me take this idea and I'm just going to crush you with our, you know, basically our margins that we're going to make this for far less and sell it for far less and you're going to go away. Yeah. Hundred percent, and it's. I mean, yeah, even on the large scale, we've seen this. Um, if you've watched 
this should be maybe a stock talk thing, but you know, I'll, I'll say it now. If you've watched Snapchat's stock ever since they 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 um were publicly listed on the New York Stock Exchange, it has been a rough go for them because what basically happened was everybody you probably know what Snapchat is. You take short pictures, you can add like funny filters to it, like a dog ears or face swap or whatever. But what happened was Snapchat got big, and then Instagram just said, oh. We can add filters to our pictures. Hang on. We can add Instagram, stories. who's owned by Facebook, I might add, yes. just so everyone's aware. And they were already big. You know, Instagram is already big. And, you know, they just said, okay, we'll do all that stuff too. <laughs> and Snapchat, people still use it. But it's like, there is no discernible difference to me. You know, maybe the, the super high value, you know, the super uses it for hours a day person can notice a difference, but it's like, you got filters, you've got short videos, you've got the exact same thing with Instagram. And it's like, you know, this Snapchat stock has, has done, they've had a hard time trying to keep up because people just say, okay, well, we'll just do that then. <laughs> yeah, there's... It's, it's not something proprietary that they can protect in that way. And, and that's a real problem, especially in worlds of, that are just like really highly contested, like technology, um, and just as Tarek used the example before fashion, um, you know, you have to be able to protect what you have. And if what you have this, you know, million dollar idea, as we explained before, like if it's not, if it's unprotectable, then you got to strike quick, you know? And so let's break down what these guys do a little bit, Tarek, is... Um, okay, these Shark Tank guys. Okay, they call the investors sharks in Shark Tank. They call them dragons in Dragon's Den, just FYI. But, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, these guys are typically highly successful people. Um, if you guys From don't various know, industries, yeah. If you guys don't know much about them, feel free to look them up on their old Wikipedia pages and whatnot. Um, but, you know, for the most part, they have succeeded in multiple business ventures before sitting down in those chairs uh, and listening to people's, you know, business pitches, but, you know, just about every one of them is a billionaire and, you know, these guys are always looking to grow their revenue or grow their, you know, their, their personal, um, what do you call it? Their personal income, I guess. Personal net worth. Yeah. 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 They, they always want to make more money. That's how they've gotten to where they want or they're where they are now. And, and I think that that's going to continually be their goal moving forward. And uh, what what their role really in this whole thing is, is to provide capital so that these businesses can expand um, at probably a more, well, easily at a more rapid rate than they could have if they didn't have their money. And it allows them to possibly, you know, meet people they couldn't have met before. Um have access to manufacturers that they wouldn't have had before retailers you know they just it, it opens a lot of doors when you have someone like a mark cuban and kevin o'leary uh who's the guy who owns boston pizza that's on dragon's den i always forget that guy's name oh yeah jim Trilliving. living yeah yeah you know like these are people who have a lot of connections within especially well the world business uh market but just especially in the north american business market and it's super important for a lot of these entrepreneurs to be able to make those connections and to be able to make them at that point in their life uh, is huge. And so what you're basically giving up is equity in your company, which 
really translates to, I guess, once your company becomes mature, because a lot of these companies are kind of in the startup to growth stage. Mm-hmm. So, so for those that don't know, there's a startup stage, which is kind of when you're first creating your idea. Then there's a growth stage where you're burning a lot of money just trying to build your product and get it to to consumers. And you're not really concerned about much more than just making sure that more inventory is being built and that inventory is then being sent out to your consumer. Um, and then you slowly reach the maturity stage, which is kind of where it's like a well-oiled machine and it can take care of itself. And if you're successful enough, you can kick your feet up on your desk and kind of count your money, relax a little bit. <laughs> And then unfortunately for a lot of companies, it comes to the like decaying stage, which is where your product becomes obsolete. Nobody really cares about it. Yeah, Sears is a great (laughs) example of that where nobody just, Amazon was better than Sears, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, The reality is they sell a lot of the same product. And so you just slowly kind of dip down into obscurity and you're no longer you know, necessary to the business market. So you either get bought out or you liquidate. Now, what these guys do is they help you go from that growth stage to the mature stage at a lot faster rate than you could probably get there ever on your own. Yeah. And the idea behind it is they want to purchase shares from your company so that in time, when you have enough money to be handing out, uh, regular dividends, which is basically cashing money out of the company to your shareholders, um, that that's how they're going to make their money back. They're, they're going to be able to basically declare dividends and say, Hey, you know, I invested $250,000, but now we're at the point where I'm cashing out $250,000 every year. And so you kind of, you make a deal in the short term with consequences that could be for the long term, unfortunately. And not to say that these guys are bad people, but that's just no. the, that's just the that's the cost of doing business. Like right. if you want someone else's money, it's it's just um, you know if the market dictates what the price will be, right? So if you want, if I want Maddie's money, he says, okay, I'll give you twenty grand, but you have to give me this percentage ownership of your company, and. Then if the company goes up in value, then his value is, is more. And then if the company has cash left over at the end of the year to give out to shareholders, that he gets a, his, his portion, his cut of the, the profits, right? So that's just, that's just how it goes. If you want someone else's money, you kind of got to play by their rules. The nice thing about Shark Tank or Dragon's Den is there's a little bit of competition. Oftentimes the, the investors get to compete so that the, the uh, you know, current owners the presenters get a chance to say, well, maybe I'll give you a little less, a little less, you know? So they come in with their offer, what they're offering to the dragons. And oftentimes, I don't know if it's rare. It seems like that the dragons actually, or the sharks actually take them at their initial offer. And they always get a little bit more than that, but yeah, that's just, that's just part of the game. I think what's another thing that's valuable too, is I think some people, you know, you've gotten to a stage in your company where you need some more cash. Really, that's the only reason you would get another investor is because, hey, I need more cash to do this thing or that thing to get bigger, to expand. Um, but, you know, too risky for a bank. I don't have, you know, family money or friends that are willing to invest. And so you go to a private person 
in this case, someone on Dragon's Den and say, hey, can you invest your money with me for this and this and this? And this is what I promise we'll do. Um, but also the value of that is you get exposure on television. Um, honestly, if I had a product for sale, like a consumer product, I would choose that route. And I honestly think they probably give up more in equity than they would if they went to, if they found an angel investor, a private investor that's not on television. I think they give up more, but then they get the the exposure of being on television. I remember once, um, though, some guy came into Dragon's Den or Shark Tank or something, and he had an outrageous number that he wanted. And the company was not worth that at all. And Kevin O'Leary, who we've talked about already, he called him out. He said, the only reason you came here, this number doesn't make any sense. You didn't come here to get any money from us. You came here just so you could be on television, so you could promote this product. And you knew we would balk at this number and shut you down and say, no chance, but you still get the exposure. He's like, no, I would never. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, that's that seems reasonable. <laughs> I, would, I would totally think, well, I'll just say I want a million dollars for my company that doesn't make anything. <laughs> and then everybody hears about it on TV and they say no, and I still collect all the money from being on television and getting my product out there. Yeah, well, so. And, and that is a huge part. And, and people have to understand too, um, as I mentioned before, these guys have connections. They have the keys to a lot of doors that banks can't open. Um, and they typically aren't looking for, I mean, typically, I mean, basically everyone except Kevin O'Leary uh, isn't looking for anything more than equity at, at the time. And yeah. so, you know, that's a huge help because when, you know, if you know anything about for instance, your credit cards, or uh, if you have a loan through a bank through, say, a mortgage on a house or a car loan, you know immediately what comes with that principal payment interest. You know, this mm -hmm. this investment doesn't come with interest in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they are simply just shareholders of your company, and depending on how much you sell them, they may have a say. They may not have a say in the day-to-day -day operations of your company. Um, yeah, and and how do I put it? I guess the reality is is that you know they will open doors for you, and the biggest thing too is, as you said, um, the exposure you get on TV. I mean, for instance, I have a I have a set of sunglasses actually uh, from a company that made them, or from a company that was on Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when I came down to our buddy Mike's wedding in Idaho, shout out to Mike Bookless, uh, I so badly wanted a pair of these sunglasses by a company uh, that's based out of Idaho. And what I found interesting about them was, as I was watching Shark Tank, they make these sunglasses out of wood at a sawmill owned that's like a family sawmill. Um, and so they make the okay. frames out of glass or the frames out of wood, and then. Part of the proceeds from these glasses actually go to um, a fund that they have that helps set up eye clinics in uh, different parts of the world. And primarily at the time, it was in India. Oh, cool. And so I remember on Shark Tank, they didn't end up getting a deal. And a big part of it was, one, they weren't willing to give up more than the equity that they had kind of stated that they were willing to. And the other mm -hmm. part was... Um, the a couple of the sharks were actually not, well they weren't impressed or they weren't happy with the fact that they wanted to give away profit to basically charity oh interesting 
And so they were like, well, can we set that up separately? But it was kind of this idea like, no, 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 any money that comes out of this company needs to come back into the company's profits. Interesting. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, you do, you know, and they lost, they didn't get a deal. Oh, they, you know, the, they still got the exposure on television, which is great. But I know Kevin O'Leary has, in a number of sharks, have run up against that because, and we talked about this previously, there's a number of entrepreneurs who are really about that triple P bottom line people, planet, and profits. Um, and if, if your investor, in this case, these dragons or sharks, don't necessarily value that, that's money off off their investment they're not interested in, in in participating in. I've seen that happen too, where, you know, it sounds like these people insisted on having their manufacturing at this sawmill. Um, and I've seen companies where they insist on having their manufacturing stateside if it's a simple thing. And, you know, the sharks say, well, we can, I have the contact. You can move this manufacturing offshore, do it for 50 cents, 50% 50 of what it costs you right now, make way better margins. And they're like, no, I've specifically started this to employ these people and i think it's valuable to be made here in the united states or canada and then the sharks have said well i i just can't get on board with that because it doesn't make any sense to me do you know what i mean and yeah. it is one of those things where yeah again the reality is guys these guys are business business people i guess is the best way to put it um yeah, yeah. and they're about making money they 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 don't care Absolutely. about and, the people that you employed in your small town because it, it helps employ, you know, 20 to 30 people. Yeah, they could care less about them. And that's the thing. You have to take personal feeling out of the world of business, I think. And that's, to me, that's one of the greatest lessons we can teach people through this podcast is you. And I don't, I don't know, though. I don't think you have to. Because there's been a lot of deals where some of the other sharks have been on board with the type of charity if you could call it charity or the type of um, work that this particular organization is doing and they have invested i'm just saying if a shark does not value that it's not going to happen some sharks right. do some investors do they think that's a valuable thing and they support it and they believe in it but some don't and, and you've and just got to find someone i guess on my to, to further on that point i guess i don't mean like at all times you have to take kind of those feelings out i guess what i'm trying to say is don't be surprised in the world of business if people sound ruthless and almost just don't care. Um, I suppose. Because I think I would that say, is a though, part of the reality. Yeah, for sure. I would say, though, at this time in history, more than probably any time in, in the history of capitalism, in the modern history of capitalism, the not-for-profit side on a profitable business matters. Do you know what I mean? We are at a time where a company can do that and have it be a significant part of their value add, and that's not been the case for the last. Yeah, tell that you know, to Jeff Bezos. Well, I'm saying, and that's the thing. People give him people give him a hard time about it. Like all these other billionaires, he's the richest man in the world. I think some people even suggest he's the richest man in the world because Bill Gates gave away so much money. I mean, Bill Gates like oh yeah ended malaria in India or something outrageous like that. Dude, <laughs> it's Bill just Gates, crazy. He's easily um, and they give him a hard time. Guys. The fact that we can even um, give him a hard time, you know, like I don't know, it's whatever. It's his money. He can do what he wants with it. But yeah, um, yeah. no, I'm saying as much as you're right, like. You know, you're going to have to present it in a way that makes sense because, you know, bottom line is really how you pay to do all the charitable work you want to do. At this time in history, though, is 
the most like people will pay more money if they know that this product does good for this community or, or does good overseas. And it's not been that way before to this level. Right. But we're getting off track. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of the, I, I mean, yeah, it's just private equity. I know you say the word private equity. I think that brings a lot of, um, people think what the heck is private equity but that's all it is it's just someone privately investing you're not selling equity on a, a stock exchange you're just a, an, an individual saying i'm going to buy x amount of your company or vice versa or whatever and so that's um yeah how dragons then how shark tank how these companies work i think um and, and i know this is what you meant but i want to clear it up you mentioned earlier that <laughs> a bank makes you pay interest and an equity investor doesn't um the fact is an equity investor may not make you pay cash up front, but every time they will require more of a return than a bank will. It will cost you more to get an equity investor than to get a loan from any financial institution because the financial institution just gets paid out. They're done. They're not interested in your company anymore. That equity investor is with you forever. They own your company. Right. And so, and, and generally the required rate of return for an equity investor is much higher than a bank. Otherwise they would say, just go to a bank. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to talk about dragons and private equity and shark tank? Can we just both acknowledge that dragon den, the real problem they have in their show and why I don't watch it in comparison to shark tank is their set is just so bloody dreary. It's not nearly as good. It looks it's like so, a dirty old not. crystal meth lab. It's supposed to be a den though. That's the uh, thing. It, it does look like so a den. Gross. Shark's tank works better though. Cause they've got lots of tanks everywhere. They actually like have sharks. Tanks. Those sharks in there? There's sharks in there? I think that actually, actually seems a little cruel, cruel, to be honest. I hope that's CGI. Why is that, why is that <laughs> Those cruel? poor sharks. Well, I mean, that's a tidy little tank for a big animal <laughs> to live in. Oh, my god! Don't you think? No, that's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's like trying to make an argument that you shouldn't have birds in your house in a cage. Well, that's a really tiny uh, environment for a bird. To, I mean, but people have birds, man. Yeah, I, I, you know, proportionally, though, sharks are way smarter than birds. Gosh, I mean, yeah, maybe, but have you ever not seen? Have you not seen Blackfish? Do you know about Tilikum? Uh, no, I haven't. Never watched Blackfish, nor do I really care about it's whales good. enough. Well, but the other fact is, you should. What are whales doing for me today? Uh, I don't know. What are Absolutely they doing? Absolutely nothing. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so that's my point. Uh, Same with sharks. Sharks ruthless. aren't doing anything for me. Either. You know, this is how you should modify what you said earlier. Uh, in business, be ruthless, and with Maddie, be be ruthless. He's, yeah, it's no, not I got, If it's not for my I got benefit, no time I'm not for interested. your feelings, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Upset about something I say? Cry to someone else. Cry to Terry. Oh, jeez. Yeah, cry to me. Sure, I'm I'll tell Maddie. Kevin O'Leary on you right now. Anyways. Uh, yeah, you know, guys, if you get a chance, definitely watch these shows. Definitely pay attention to the questions that these sharks ask, because yes. a lot of the times they're very, they're very interesting questions Stupid. that I actually disagree with some of them. A lot of the time, oh, they yeah? say, like what? "What are your sales?" Really, what I would want to know is, "What's your gross profit?" And also, "What's your net income?" If they'd be willing to share that kind of info. The problem with asking what your well, sales think... are is that your sales could be. 10 20 million dollars a year but if your cost of goods sold is you know nine tenths of that then your gross profit really isn't not that great and you're not actually as profitable as 
you're making yourself sound to be with these really high sales amounts. So it's true. So it's my true. my issue is like yes, revenue is important, but what's more important is when you start de deducting some of these really key expenses from a company that actually show you how profitable these companies are. And so just that's why I always say kind of take it with a grain of salt is because some of the questions they do ask are not always the most leading um, and don't exactly help you understand whether or not these companies are doing well. I'm sure these pitches, I've, I've actually heard some of these sharks uh, talk in interviews outside of Shark Tank and they, they discuss how some of these pitches are like literally hours long and they condense them down to 15 minutes for you guys to watch it's true. on TV. So yeah. it's, it's really So we don't crucial. see a lot of it. Yeah, and, and the big thing is, is, you know, they're just hitting the major points because they, they have to make you interested as a viewer. But the fact yeah. is, is that, you know, some of this stuff is really crucial, and I'm sure they get through a lot of the nitty gritty. I would be shocked if they aren't required to basically bring a copy of financial statements. Um, well, they would. To, to showcase. That well, that's exactly it, right? But you never see them hand out a copy of their financial statements to see how well these companies are actually performing. Well, so what I think happens is, I mean, you know, it makes sense in a way not to talk about net income bottom line revenue and just that they're startup companies. They're spending all the money they make back in investing in the company, back in whatever. And it's not unreasonable for a new startup company to not make any money for a couple of years as they build out, as they but develop. But that's why I said gross profit. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, gross profit would be interesting. And that's the thing, I think, well, I mean, I know that, you know, these, these are smart people. They have armies of analysts that then do the due diligence on, on, on these companies after the fact. So basically, you need, to, you need the sales numbers for a proof of concept. You need to say, okay, are people buying this? Is this even worth it? And it's like, okay, well, you've only been open for a year. Your sales have been growing. Your sales are this. That's great. And then, you know, their army of analysts go and say, okay, well, what's your... How much does it cost you to get a dollar of sales? If it's going to cost you a dollar twenty to get a dollar of sales, well, unless there's a reason why that they can get around, or it's just something about scale, it's just doesn't. It's not going to make any sense, right? And so totally, there's a lot of due diligence that's done that we're not aware of, but I don't think they do it. I'm sure they have like their management teams that do it, but yeah, right before the money gets spent. You know, and and again, just so you guys are aware, when I say gross profit. Um, for those of you that don't really speak business all that much, what that really means is we're talking about their sales numbers. So, for instance, as Tarek said, like a, a widget, for instance, we'll, we'll call that their product. Um, for every widget they sell, say it costs or say it, they sell it for $100, but in order to make it, it costs $50. Well, their gross profit is then $50 because it's 100 minus mm -hmm. 50. Mm -hmm. And so I, the reason I say that's so important is because if they sell it for 100 but it costs 95 to make, well, the profit margin is only five dollars, so sales can and be sky high. And there's nothing you can change about that. Yeah, yeah, and and sales can be sky high. Like I said, it could be ten million dollars, but then their their cost of goods sold is going to be nine point five million dollars. So it it's really not it's it's a very misleading uh, number in my opinion. Obviously, like Tarek said, like sales is obviously a, a a great proof of concept, and it's also a very like alluring number for viewers to see. Because they're going to go, oh, yeah. wow, sales are, you know, $5 million. That's really cool. But $5 million yeah. doesn't actually mean that they made $5 million and put that in the bank account. You know, totally. and so that that's the real important part in all of this. So 
I hope through this conversation, because I feel like we got to wrap this up soon. Um, yeah. That I got a good stock talk for us I, too. I hope you guys learned a lot about just you know business vocabulary. I hope you guys kind of like flex a little bit on your friends and family with some of these words: perpetuity, annuity, you know, gross profit, things like that. Um, and and that it helps you understand what takes place in not only these TV shows, but if people ever start talking business to you, you can kind of get a little bit of an understanding. If someone's starting a new business, that's where you totally say, what's your gross profit margin? You know, anyways. <laughs> uh, and then they'll yeah, hopefully be stomped go. in the building. See what they know. Uh, and if they come back uh, with a good answer, uh, then you're going to feel like the idiot because they didn't explain no. what the margin is. Google it. Anyways, let's get to there stock talk. Pull out your finger guns. Stock talk. Stock talk, everybody. Stock talk. I got a good one for you this week. It's another economic indicator. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about all these crazy markets in the United States. Things have been a little wishy-washy. Oil's off. Stock market's down. Are we in for a recession? And I'm here to tell you, I have no idea. But <laughs> have you heard, Maddie, about the quits rate? The quits? This is just an American one, I think. At least I don't think we have it in Canada, but it's called uh, the quits rate. Are you talking like Q-U-I-T? Yep. No, I've never heard of it. What do you think it is? Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing it's something to do with how often people quit something, but I don't know Absolutely. what it is. Is it how often Absolutely. people quit their job? Well, the frequency of people quitting their jobs. Absolutely. Wow. And so this indicator, and it's very intuitive. That's why I like this. That's why I like a lot of the market stuff in general is because in economics in general, it's very intuitive. When you hear it, you realize that, yeah, that makes sense. So what it is, it is a measurement of how many people are quitting their jobs, not getting fired, not getting laid off, but choosing to quit. And the reason that number is important is because, like I said, intuitively, if that number is going up, People are confident about their job prospects. People are confident about their ability to get another job or they already have another job. And market sentiment is high. Something tells me that number and is down. It is not. That number is up. I got the quits nice. rate here. This is for the United States, by the way. I couldn't okay. find a quit rate in Canada. Um, and actually, from September 2017 to September 2018, we're up from 2.2 to 2.4. So is that, that a big gain? Is that a big gap or not really? I mean, it, it's it's kind of. I mean, because the numbers are small, so it's 0.2, but 0.2 of 2.2 is still. You know, right. is that like nine? Well, percent and that's what I mean. Right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. is, is 2.2 big or is 2.4 like huge? Like I don't know, right? It's more just how it's changing over time, I think. Um, and then they have it broken down by industry. So some industries you'll see some significant quit rates, and some are <laughs> less so. As you can imagine, the uh, Retail trade is up. <laughs> Real now that's, uh, those, Yeah, those 3.4 from 3.2. So that's like your, your, you know, those those crappy retail jobs everybody hates. When you work at um, store. A big one actually is leisure and hospitality. Whoa. Um, that one's that one's up. Hold on. What what's now the that includes is... arts? Okay. Yeah, arts, entertainment, and recreation, as well as accommodation and food services. So, and, and the biggest gain looks like both of them, but is from arts, entertainment, and recreation. It's up to 3.7 from 2.2. So that one's a huge 1. gain. 5, that's a so, massive jump. 
It's a big jump. It's a big jump, especially because, and I, I think this makes sense. This is probably even more saying how good the economy is or how confident people feel about the economy anyways, is that it's arts, entertainment, and recreation. And people are like, I'm quitting my arts job. <laughs> that means they're super confident. It's totally millennials. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This museum sucks. (laughs) It's totally sold out. I'm going to this other museum because it's so trendy right now. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Either way, I like this indicator. I like the quits rate. It um, helps you just get an idea of how other people feel, how the market in general, how the uh, population in general feels about uh, their prospects going forward. And people are, it's certainly not going the wrong way. So it's a good thing. Cool. All right, that's stock talk for the week. Dude, that was it? <sighs> that's it, man. I mean, what do you want? It's a quits rate. It's a good one. It's quick, it's to the point. Get it done. <laughs> oh, man. Well, all I can say is we leave this week, folks. Uh, make sure you hit up some Black Friday sales. Uh, yeah, I'll have an update next week on how my phone shopping went. Go and blow <laughs> all your cash if you can. Uh, it. It's what those companies want. And make sure you buy some really good pre- or good Christmas presents. Also, here's the thing. I'm going to encourage everyone, buy practical Christmas presents. I'm, I'm a real big believer on buying practical Christmas presents. Stuff but that like people socks? are going to use. No, 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 not socks. But like... I use socks. Do you use socks? Well, of course I use socks. Well, you know, socks isn't actually a bad, bad choice, Derek. It wasn't really the market I was getting at. It was more like... Buy someone a watch. Like, uh, like food, like some grocery yeah. stores, like vouchers or something, hey? Food well, stamps. Food stamps. Well, you know. Do every, we have food stamps in Canada? Is every that an year, my program? boss actually gives me a uh, gift certificate to the local grocery Turkey store. Voucher. So I don't know if that's to say that go. he pities how much money hey, that's he That's very practical. Or that... <laughs> <laughs> you can't be eating well. I pay you way too little. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know and then but yeah you know one one year i bought uh bought a guy a watch because i know that his watch was wearing out so it's like it's clearly something he's going to use every day he's going to be able to appreciate that gift don't be buying dumb crap okay who did you buy a watch for you haven't bought me anything i've known you for like almost 10 years maddie i think Tarek, it's been 10 years actually that's the funny part also yeah here's here's a parting story for you guys uh, it's okay. actually going to work into my final shout out for the week. Um, the last or the first time I really hung out with Tarek, there were eight of us guys. I think it was eight of us all piled into a van as we drove to Edmonton to go and see the Toronto Raptors play the Denver Nuggets in an nice. exhibition game. And I sat with Tarek in the back seat. I thought he was super cool. And yeah, it was a great time. Anyways, I also the watched the guy. Well, this isn't my final shout-out, but shout-out to Matt Hirsch, who thought he could outrun his van or wanted to see how fast no. he could run. So we drove the van next to him to see how fast the van was going before he, like, disappeared. How fast did he go? Uh, I can't remember. I just remember him but he got like, the kind 30K. of disappearing. Anyways, the final shout-out goes to our buddy James Fraser, who turns 30, 30 this year? Yeah, I'm heading up there. 30 or 31? It's 30, man. 30. Okay. Shout out to James. I wish you well. I wish I could have been there. I won't lie, James, as you're listening to this. My whole goal (laughs) in betting Tarek your spare room was that I really wanted Tarek to spend a lot of money on a bottle of scotch so that he didn't lose the spare room. 
right, right. Because I, I literally had zero intention of ever coming. Well, Maddie, I feel like our guests have no idea what you're talking about. Or our listeners, I should say, have no idea. That's what you're okay. They don't right need now. to. This is just an inside little <laughs> moment between me and James. Uh, that's not how. That's not how the podcast works. Well, you it's know, people posted. are going to be like, "Oh, that's sweet." Matt, Matt's having a nice personal <laughs> moment. Anyways, don't ruin this, all right? James, my bad. My I hope bad. you have a wonderful birthday. Uh, I hope you enjoy. I hope the you know uh, who came Derek to visit you and on who decided to stay My home. behalf and his behalf. That is not true, but I, I will clear that up <laughs> hey, when I get can there. You please put my name I think on you're that really card? overestimating how many people listen, how, how if James listens to this. I'm not even going to bring it up. I'm sure he won't even ever know that it happened. Hang because on. I don't, don't think say that. Don't slander our podcast. <laughs> also, I'm saying James can doesn't. you please put Anyways. my name on that card? I'll think about it. I'd greatly appreciate it. <laughs> 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 Do you shake your head? After saying, I'll think about it. Oh, That's cold. Anyways. At any rate, our American listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, I hope hey, you guys watch us, nothing but football your Black Friday sales. Send us what you guys, your Black Friday experiences. We'd love to hear about Please, them. Leave us a review. Get shot or Contact info. or trampled. Okay? Yeah. Well, I mean, or do and put it on, get a video and send well, it to us. I mean, just, I mean, just I, get, it, get something out of it if you do. Here's the thing. As so <laughs> long as you don't die or end up in the hospital... I mean, all the power to you. Unless you're like, going to send us a video about it happening, and we'll give you a shout-out for sure. I'm not on board with Tarek saying, <laughs> please get shot. Anyways, peace out. Uh, anyways, um, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great long weekend, Americans, and we will catch you guys next Ooh, week. Time out. Peace out. Don't forget to write a review. Rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. I don't yeah. know if we're on Spotify. Anyways, go hit us up on all those things. Please leave leave a review. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you think we suck. Let us if know we're how awesome. your Black Friday shopping went. I'd, I'd prefer if you told us that we're awesome. Um, rate us on Facebook. Tell us. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Um, I'm I'm always trying to come up with fun, creative content on all our social media if I can. And uh, yeah, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear about. You know, this this idea today was quite honestly all from a fan of ours. Um, so mm -hmm. definitely, definitely let us know. We listen. We listen. Okay. All right. Out. Catch you guys later.